I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers play with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygas, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! This is the Roll for Initiative podcast. They're doing mini issue number four. I'm Vince sitting with Matt. Hello, everyone. And Nick. Howdy, howdy, howdy. This is going to be our last show for 2014, so Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all that other stuff. <laughs> all that other jazz, yes. So uh, before we get right into things, Nick is eager to read some reviews that he found on iTunes. Yeah, i got three new reviews off of iTunes. Just to remind everybody, if you wish to give us a review on iTunes, just head on over there and to the iTunes uh, and Type in Roll for Initiative in the iTunes store, and you can track us down from there, and you can write a review. And we'll read them for good or for ill. So here we go with our first review. It's from Zombie Hands. And he says, great podcast with five stars. He says, this is a fun podcast to listen to. I don't miss an episode. I would not call any of the DMs experts on the rules, but the thing about OSR games is that everyone is free to run the game as they like. Right. Short, sweet, to the point, pretty much what we're all about in there, guys. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. We're all experts, though. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I got I, but skills. I do, <laughs> I do love those. Shh, don't do that. I love the people that write in and be like, you guys should know the rules better. You, It's like, we're not experts. We're just fans. Yeah, yeah we actually, we never claimed we were. We're just a bunch of guys who like first edition, and we we jabber on about it. So right, it, it, we try to bone up on everything that we can. But hey, yeah, and and when you look at the people who actually wrote the game, they didn't even play it by the rules. Oh my god, Gary was notorious for that. Right. <laughs> so by not playing it by the rules, we're playing it like the game was meant to be created in a way. Heck, I've. I've read posts that Frank uh, Metzer has made where he ran a whole game session, and when he lifted his game shield away, no dice, nothing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> they, they, everybody was gobsmacked. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think he should have dice. If he didn't have dice, I'd be a little annoyed. Uh, he might have had dice. I don't know, but uh, he okay. had like no. He, he might. He but like no sheets of paper or nothing. Just maybe you know, the shield and some dice, and that's there fine. You go. I can. Yeah, I thought that's kind of cool. Anyway, thank you, uh, Zombie Hands. Our next one is by DM Shaman, and he says, cool, 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 with five stars. So these guys are awesome, or I should say my geek voice, these guys are awesome. <laughs> it's so, you're so awesome. The RFI crew have a vast knowledge of old school D&D and are excellent at delivering a lot of cool info and how-tos in an entertaining professional way. 
anyone who listens to this podcast should throw these guys some five-star reviews to show their appreciation for the time and effort they put into producing these great shows. Well, thank you, DM Shaman. Yes, thank you. You get 100 experience points. And two Electrum. And two Electrum pieces. (laughs) From Nick's Yeah, I love EPs. Hey. (laughs) So... That was from DM Shaman. And our last one is from Sir Tomas One. And he says, Great mirth interspread with admirable gravitas with five stars. Sounding mm-hmm. almost like Spock there. <laughs> yes. Really, Captain. And he says, I've been a fan of these guys for one and a half years and grieved when I finally chewed my way through the backlog of shows because now I have to wait show by show just like everyone else. The team is, oh, yeah, oh, sorry about that. The team is lighthearted in their approach while at the same time bringing a seriousness to gaming that helps defend our hobby from the general media's presentation of all of us as Napoleon Dynamite, rolling our little dice in our parents' attic because we can't get dates. Mm. (laughs) It's a a liger. (laughs) Well, the only difference is we all have girlfriends and or wives at this point. Yes, Yes, and we don't live in Idaho, at least most of us. I don't. the fact that the RFI Knights are advocates of first edition is what helped me realize helped me to realize it's okay if you have a favorite edition that you don't have to quote unquote upgrade or feel bad about yourself just because something newer falls off the presses. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. I like what he said there. It's very valid. RPGs may have inspired video games, but that doesn't mean RPGs are akin to software or operating systems. Guys, I posted to you about three times, and you've read my letters on the air all three times with good feedback. You should know how much I appreciate that, how approachable you've made yourselves. I'm a and d second edition DM by experience, but we're still cousins under the game books. I take Vince's advice every session by keeping it original and keeping it old school, but I don't do choppers. Sorry, Nick. Keep the show cranking. Oh, <laughs> Get to the chopper! No! Get down! Do you say they're doing a new Terminator movie with him in it? Uh, again? Yes. Is yes. it going to be like old and rusted? I don't know. Is this called Terminator Genesis or something? The Terminator, the rusting. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a White Wolf game. Yes. Yeah, actually, kind of do. All right, cool. So, so head over to us, give us a review, and we'll head right into our show right now. So. We're going to talk a little bit about the skill system, the most <gasps> thing about first edition. that would do. There is no skills in first edition, right, Nick? Well, technically, no. Yeah. No. Uh, un- unless I, you start throwing in some of the, something like Unearthed Arcana or the uh, Wilderness. Wilderness or survival. Dungeoneer Survival Guys. Right. Uh, oh, then we get into non-weapon proficiencies. Yes. yes. Which nobody likes. Mm, well... I, there are skills, but it's only specific to the class. You know, I mean, the I think the glaring example is the thief. But their yeah. thieving abilities, those are skills. Those are abilities, though. Well, they're skills for the class, and they do progress as as they as the as the class as you progress in the class as you gain experience. They're abilities. So, they're not well, skills. Now we're uh, arguing semantics. <laughs> yeah, I think we are. Well, I mean, what's the difference between a skill and an ability? Um, you have skill, and I don't know. Don't don't challenge me. <laughs> Damn you with your English language. 
You and your dictionaries. You and your dictionaries and whatnot. So, so why is it important that we don't have general skills like later editions and first edition? Why do you think that they aren't in there, Nick? Um, as I'm, I guess I don't quite understand the question, like how they went to okay, so more more into a skill set type system. Is that what you're yeah. trying to say? Why do you think the early editions don't have the inclusion of a skill system for every character when they the edition progressed? It went mm-hmm. having some non weapon efficiencies to these skill checks that you have to have now, right? Um. And you can't do certain things unless you have that skill. I think, ironically, <clears throat> looking at the history of the hobby, I think that was a kind of a reaction to um, what was coming out at the time. I mean, um, I mean, you look at, for example, Unearth Arcana, the Wilderness, and Dungeoneer Survival Guides when those came out. Yeah. And that was the mid late eighties. By that time, there was a plethora of of role-playing systems out there. Yeah. I mean, and many of them were skill-based. Well, that's when Palladium started becoming hot. Yeah, Palladium, right. Palladium Um You had D6 Star Wars at, by that time in 1987. Um, yeah. I think you also had, you know, Gosh, what, well, Call of Cthulhu has been out already yeah. quite some time right now. Heavily a skill set system. Um, yeah. Top so, Secret SI and Top, top Secret. Top Secret SI. Even the stuff within TSR was coming to be a more of a skill-based type thing. Even Marvel Superheroes, which was a total separate beast as far as the type of system it was. But it, its basis were essentially like there were skills, quote-unquote powers, but there was – you know, it was based on a sort of percentile thing. So I, I, I'm of the opinion that it was a reaction to what the public partially demanded from the D and D game is to include those things that skills or non-weapon proficiencies into the system. So I, I think it was a reaction to all of that. And you know, also what was going on to the hobby at the time. Yes, yeah, Matt. Yeah, I was also thinking. I'm curious about the popularity of like more organized play and if that coincides with the advent of more skill systems and more granular rules because it helps create a more unified play experience from table to table. If there are no rules for skill checks and or like spotting things or a task of that nature, every DM will have their own way of adjudicating that. So when you play in one event, the DM may say, okay, roll me a D20. The, mm-hmm. Another DM may be like, roll a bunch of D6. Another DMs could be say, stand on your head. It's well, all it, – it'll vary from table to table. So you get a more consistent experience. A little more consistent, a little more generic maybe. Yeah, it's more of – As far as the rule set is concerned. Right. You know what you're getting when you sit down at the table. And I think that's where later editions became more uh, – rules-based and more Mm -hmm. things became written in stone because it creates a more cohesive play experience regardless of the GM running the game. I also think later editions also hammered it into our head that if you don't have the skill, you can't do it. Now, I know it wasn't written that way. I think people have translated that way after third edition with that whole skill set that they added to it and with the Mm -hmm. this and that. It didn't really say you actually needed it. 
It just said it helped. Right. It just meant you were right. better at it than the average bear. That is all. Right. I, I think a good example of of that is where you might not have a particular skill in the game, but you can make like a um, an unskilled role for it. I know Call Cthulhu has that. Yeah. Even though you might not have the anthropology skill, you can make an unskilled role. If you roll a 1%, holy cow, you got it. Your high school uh, has, uh, education came through, you know? Um there's same thing in the West End D6 Star Wars game. You can make an unskilled check if you don't have the skill. It's just based off your your core ability role instead right. of yeah, instead of like if you don't have uh, starship navigation, but your uh, perception role I think is like two dice plus two, and you can make an unskilled role with those two dice. You know, so well, um, and we didn't. Um, and the, yeah, then that's depending on what the referee thinks as far as the modifier, you know, more dice added to the roll means you're going to, it's going to be harder for you to achieve. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that the idea kind of goes back to where in the original game where you didn't have all of these different skills. I mean, you had abilities for different classes, but if you wanted to, you know, if you want to, uh, uh, jump across a 20 or 10 foot uh, wide pit. I mean, it was really up to the DM's discretion on how to adjudicate that. And it could have been a, just a, could have been a roll based off of, you know, maybe a D20 roll or maybe a number of D6 dice based off of the ability, whatever they want. I kind of thought that was part of the charm of the original game because. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on, at least I know from my experience where I grew up, you know, having different gaming groups around the area where I grew up in Omaha, I mean, it's like, oh, how does blah, blah, blah run his game? Or how does, you know, such and such run his game? And, oh, I'd like to get his game because he does it this way. Because every DM seemed to make it his own little thing. He put his own tastes and preferences and made it unique to his to his style of play where I think in later editions with the additions of those you know hardcore skills like you're saying that if you don't have that skill you can't do it over time it's like it, it seems restrictive mm-hmm. and it seems rather generic so I don't know if that makes any sense and how I explain it. I, it, it but it comes down to just like the part of the charm of the original first edition system. Make it your own. Yeah, make it your own. Exactly. I've right. noticed that fifth edition, the new one that's out there, has mm-hmm. a, a lot of quotes in the book of make it your own, which they you know stole from first edition. But I know they didn't really steal it. They, the people that had influence over it kind of pushed that emphasis on the game to put that in the book so people understood that. Okay. Now, since you brought that up does fifth edition does it play that way in regards to skills can you make it your own you can adjust it to the way you feel fit you don't even have to use half the skills if you don't want them and and the system will not fall apart no it won't fall apart that's that's good to know right yeah the system is horribly modular yeah and it and it's not there's not any one system in it that's really dependent upon another to function properly. 
So you you definitely can make it your own. And I think by taking that approach with the newest version of D&D, that also lets them say, when we are do having like an organized play, these are the sets we're using for organized. Mm-hmm. But at your home, you could hack together whatever you want, as opposed to like this edition prior, your home game and your organized play were going to be run identical because the fundamental mathematics involved depended upon all yeah. the other subsystems to be there without it collapsing upon itself if mm-hmm. you didn't actually rework the math. Well, it's funny because that just means what is what was once old is new again. Because yeah. that was the whole idea behind first edition AD&D. Wasn't the, I thought the idea was a cohesive set of rules when it comes to tournament play when Gygax designed AD&D. Yeah, so well. when, it, when it came to tournament play, that they everybody had the <sighs> a common set of rules to play upon. But in your home game, hey, you know what? It's up to you. You do what you want. If you want to roll a 20-sided die for figuring out who gets across that pit and using a dex roll or whatever, go for it. If you want to use D6s and it's based off something else, go for it, whatever. But when you come into a turn and play, everybody's – so it's, it's the same thing where it come full circle. Right. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's just like a pendulum that swings back and forth. It, yeah. it swings far in one way, then it readjusts itself, and it – and it'll go back, and soon it'll hit the sort of like politics, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm just waiting for when the giant book of charts to resolve any action it becomes back in favor. <laughs> uh oh! No. Now that Matt said that, someone out there's like, "Aha! I knew my new book. I'm going to be selling now." Yes, big book of uh, charts. Yes. yes, instead of just rolling a d20 and comparing it against another value, you will consult a chart and cross-reference things with modifiers. Hey, wait a minute. Isn't that DC Heroes? Oh, Hero? I love charts. <laughs> yes. Uh, Matt just yeah. named DC Heroes. Stop it, Matt. <laughs> We're bringing it back. Yeah. J- just wait till I have hey. the two-page description on the mathematics involved. Uh, so what's growing back? What's wrong with just... Much math. What's wrong with the just roll D20 and add a modifier, minus modifier, or 3D6, add dice here and there, depending on the situation? Matt, what, what's wrong with just using that? I don't think there's anything wrong with it. When it comes to my first edition games, that's what I do. I think it's simpler, and I may, like, during character creation, I like having my players give backgrounds. Like, what before you were an adventurer, what did you do? And I might give them a little bit of a bonus. Say you were a farmer or a seaman or something else. And when it co- So when it comes to, like, maybe piloting a boat, if you were a boat captain prior to becoming a fighter... I'll give you a little bonus, an extra little bonus to uh, complete anything involving that. But I just, I normally just like, eh, roll, roll me a D20 or roll me a few six-sided dice or if I'm feeling a little froggy. Here, here's a D30. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> but there's, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. It, now, I, that is something that's more intended for, I think, more experienced DMs because you have a better idea of – the success and failure and how difficult something would be. It's not necessarily for first-time DM, albeit it could be horribly amusing when they start <laughs> making just turning a doorknob like a roll me 66 and you can't <laughs> open a door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's <laughs> You just reminded me of there's a uh, blog out there. I've been, <laughs> I read from time to time. And he wrote a bunch of stuff about a game group back in the day that he was with. This is like Knights of the Dinner Table, 
but like seriously R-rated, bordering on NC-17. Yeah. Oh, all right. And he he the one of the DMs was like, "Okay, I yeah, the guy says I stopped the cart. Okay, make a roll. What do you <laughs> mean? I'm just stopping the cart. Well, you're just say you could slow down and stop the cart. You just said stop the cart. So you're going from having your cart go along with the horse to dead stop. Roll. <laughs> I'm like, what? Wow. I'm like, that's that's a killer DM, man. So it's like, yeah, rolls for everything can get a bit out of hand. Yeah. So it's it's a trick of knowing when to use them and when just to uh, keep everything moving. Let them succeed. Let them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It should be used for those unusual situations. Right. Not for the common. Okay. You're not going to roll a 20 sided die to make sure that you get out of the chair and don't trip over yourself. Right. Or roll, well, roll a 20 sided die to put on your tunic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a roll for that situation, Nick, when the guy's dexterity is a five. Uh, eh. <laughs> no, I would say. Okay, make a roll because you know you're being shot at, and there are trolls bearing down on you, and you're also on fire. <laughs> yeah, drastic. Okay, you know that's an unusual circumstance. <laughs> so, and if it wasn't an unusual circumstance for you, I would be really concerned. Mm-hmm. That's just all it is. Yes. Yes. I know what I've been doing uh, lately in my my Greyhawk campaign, and I I got ideas from other people who what 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 they do as far as like if they want to make some sort of role for unusual situations for success or failures. I've been using six sided dice. I kind of borrow from you know Star Star, Star Wars D six. It's like okay, um, what's your skill in this? Let's say. Uh, it's strength or, or or more than likely dexterity. Say, okay, roll four dice. If you make it below your dexterity or above your dexterity, you succeed. So I've been using six-sided dice, and so it's like I could add dice or remove dice, see if they succeed or not. So that seems to work. I like yeah. that. If you're going to do above your dexterity, you're going to want to remove dice. Right, so. right. I would start. I would usually do three d six as the base, and then I have to roll underneath your score, and I add more dice for the difficulty. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's what exactly what I'm doing. I think you gave me that idea, and I've seen a few other people do that too. And I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense because I think that's how a lot of times they did it back in the day. Well, that came so, from the great GM. Oh, <gasps> yeah, the great Joe. Yes, the great Joe DM. Hmm. That's funny on the brainstorm podcast that we do. Uh, Glenn starts doing the oh, the great Joe, like that. Like how you do. Why? <laughs> so I don't know. It's just it's just interesting how it went from kind of do whatever you feel like you can to evolved into like every skill known to mankind. And if you don't have it, you can't do it to going back to kind of doing whatever you want to do. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just a natural correction. less is more. Yeah, it's just like a natural correction of things. It swung too far in a direction. It'll end up hopefully eventually setting on like what the happy medium is of having skill checks for those really difficult things that you need to be trained in 
for. But you don't need to be trained to, like, jump. Unless you had, like, professional jump training, at which point you're, like, an Olympic athlete or something. <laughs> at which point we're now in the palladium system of uh, scholastic God. skills and secondary skills. <sighs> palladium system. <laughs> Yes, you'll you'll Basically spend about an hour D on steroids. Yeah, and you'll spend about an hour just trying to figure out your skills of character yeah. creation. Yes. I think what it was was third edition was let's tell the DM what to do and how to do everything, and let's put everybody in a box. Three point five tried to correct it but just screwed it up. Fourth edition just went uh, let's just go to left field out there and see what happens. And then fifth they decided let's bring it back all the way. Let the DM decide what he needs to do. Yeah. And yeah. it's come full circle man it really has so at in a, i think i might even try fifth edition i might try it out well it's it's definitely worth reading nick and trying at least once okay i'll give you that i mean i, I enjoyed reading through it but uh, that's topic for a different show so people don't want to mm -hmm. get here so right so predefined skills, I don't think they're necessary, but I mean, some players like that because I like seeing that, oh, I could do this on my sheet. So, <laughs> But if you want a skill system, let's say if you do, well, you can because you can incorporate, you know, the stuff from the Wilderness and Survival Guides, you know, Wilderness Survival Guide and the Dungeoneer Survival Guide. Oriental Adventures as well. Oriental Adventures, yeah. In fact, uh, they have uh, the one system of honor that you can incorporate if you like so yeah there's nothing wrong with that if that makes if that's what kind of game that you want it's no problem at all right make it your own that's the make main it thing. your own exactly so now that christmas is coming up uh anybody gonna be playing any games over the vacation yes what are you gonna <laughs> a resounding yes family game um i'm sure we're gonna do a well if we're going to do a family game, it's not going to be role-playing related, sure. But um, I think over the next couple of weeks that I have off, I'm going to, my friend Jeff, he has got an outstanding campaign planned for a D6 Star Wars game. And I am so jones I am psyched about it. So uh, his, his setting is going to be um, just before order 66 occurred oh. so order 66 has not happened yet all right you know, Clone wars then yeah it's actually kind of we're on the brink of the empire happening so it's coming at the you know you know at the big you know when the jedi are going to be wiped out i guess our group is going to go to a a world on the outer rim mm -hmm. where there was a, a signal that was sent out by this on this world that originated from a uh, ship that was from like 2000 years ago. And we've been hired. Well, yeah, we've been hired by the Republic. We have, we're going to have clone troopers on board and a few Jedi on board. And I got a bad feeling that I got a bad feeling about this <laughs> that I think when we get down to the planet because the planet is being blockaded by the by the trade federation so we got to run through the blockade the republic's going to like do a hit and run fade so we can get in find out what this 2000 year old signal is originating from and then get out 
Yeah. But I think during that time, Order 66 is going to be given. <laughs> so we're going to be down on the planet with a couple of Jedi and a platoon of clone troopers. <laughs> and you're going to get Oops. Yeah. <laughs> and then all hell's going to break loose. But and still, he- it's going to be Sorry. cool. And I was going to say, any of the players are Jedi or... Yes, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a alien student of the Force. It's going to be one of our players. I'm I'm playing a tramp freighter captain, so I got my YT six thirteen hundred modified uh, light freighter. Mm-hmm. I, I even have deck plans all done for it. <laughs> cool. It's, it's called the Emerald Star, and my character's name is Jax Nebulon. Nice. Sounding very Star Wars-ish. So. What about you, Matt? Um, we're probably going to get in one game of the uh, TMNT campaign. That's The setting's like modern day, except mutants are just out and about. They're kind of seen as second-class citizens, but a mutant walking down the street isn't a huge deal. Like, oh my god, what is that? And we are been like work for uh, like a private corporation do like industrial es- espionage I almost think like shadow run oh, okay. for that cool so we went and had to do a stakeout uh of a competitor who was renting a warehouse that in and so we were sneaking in and my character is like a 2 foot 9 koala bear <laughs> who carries a giant sniper rifle whose barrel is longer than him. And then his two melee weapons are two katanas, which are taller than him. And he's horribly grumpy and prefers uh, passing along messages when he stakes out things via obscure text messaging. So my character be like, two guys, door open, yellow patches, tall building now. And he would get annoyed when people wouldn't understand what he was saying. So are you guys using what what edition uh, of turtles are you using? Are you uh, using bomb or we're we're actually using TMNT and other okay. strangers, uh the revised edition. Okay. Yeah. You're not using the after the bomb then okay. No. So your character is like uh koala version of Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Except so Moody Quantus Airlines. Yes. <laughs> except moodier. <laughs> okay. He, he's incredibly grumpy. Really freaking hate Qantas. Blam! Yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, and then we we also thing. yeah we also have like there's a uh, someone who's a squid who didn't bother paying for legs, so he actually just has his tentacles down to move around on. <laughs> um, we also have another bear, a giant polar bear, and we're bunk mates. So go team bear. Yay! Then we also have like a crow. And a ferret, a ferret who's about as tall as my koala, at like two six, but weighs fifteen pounds. So a strong gust of wind will knock him over. Except yeah. he's like ridiculously fast. His speed's thirty one for anyone that knows Palladium. Whoa, yeah, he's crazy fast. But well, I you didn't use the team rules because that would have confused the heck out of you anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, the the way it was described to us. We're working for this company, but we're also seen as disposable cogs, so one of us should die in the line of duty. They just bring in another mutant. So nice. you're a suicide squad. Yeah. <laughs> we're basically the Shadowrun equivalent of the suicide squad, and we're seen, seen as horribly expendable. Yeah. 
That's what you should call yourselves, the Expendable Suicide Squad. Yes. Yes, we should, actually. Because we're also about as coordinated as that. Mm. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Vince? Anything for to do over the holidays as far as gaming concerned? I was thinking about running a DC Heroes game because I just Ooh. recently uncovered my Batman the role-playing game. And then when I was at Half Price Books the other day, right on the shelf, the first book I pull out is the third edition book. So I think it's calling out to me. Hmm, that'd be fun. Yeah, so I have Batman second edition, um, DC Heroes, and third edition now. So someone's telling me something. You know, I, that was that's one game I have never played was uh, DC Heroes when it came out. It was fun. I think, I yeah, I think I was just more enamored with Marvel stuff at the time. Probably because it was more mainstream. I think Marvel. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah but I know it had a had a really long and, and wide following when it came out. Yes, went through a bunch of after. What was it? it went to Blood of Heroes at the very end because they lost the rights to the DC title. Oh. Uh. Then another company bought it but didn't buy it, and then it went through a whole lawsuit, and now it's stuck in litigation for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. Right. Yeah, because there was a – yeah, all that Mayfair RPG stuff just yeah. ended up in a weird abyss of no one knows who owns it, so it's probably just going to be lost to the ether, mm-hmm. like a lot of the old Avalon Hill stuff too. Uh, yeah, Marvel superheroes ended that way. They didn't – when TSR got bought out by Wizards – that was one of the licenses that didn't get picked up, so that whole game system is out in the public domain. Right. Which is why they have uh, Face Rip and they have 4C, I think, is two games that mimicked off that. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. Well, folks, uh, I guess we're going to say wrap it up and uh, keep it original, keep it old school, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.